0: Coming up on another intriguing episode of That Was a Show, Adaptation Party Girl. Based on the 1995 indie Sundance hit of the same name, Christine Taylor plays Mary, struggling to make a living amidst her fast-paced lifestyle in the New York City Club Kid culture where she hosts underground parties with her best friend Derek, played by John Cameron Mitchell. She gets a job in a library, but can she prove herself as mature and responsible? Can she learn the Dewey Decimal System? Bryn, Aaron, and Barry wander through the aisles, find 791.45 G.I.R., and research why this party flopped. (laughs) We grew up during peak sitcom, Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince, but those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were cancelled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring...
1: Bryn Bernie, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production.
2: (laughs) Hello, hello, how's everybody doing?
1: We're doing great. We hope you all are too.
2: (laughs) I'm doing a solid okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Aaron has a little bit of a headache.
2: Yeah. I mean, I pretty much run, like, a maximum uh, 7 out of 10 at any given day, like, (laughs) so, you know.
1: I mean, that's, you know, getting older is all about just being constantly
2: uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, it's another another week, another uh, dollar, so they say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Another week of, you know obscure television from (laughs) pulled from the reaches of our
2: yeah yeah
1: pop culture history
2: it'd be funny if like like uh, you know did people out there just assume that like when we're not doing this show we're also just like watching like like we're just watching bad sitcoms just for the hell of it
1: (laughs) i don't know i don't know what people think of us
2: i mean it's half accurate yeah, no, but
1: I mean, I don't know what everybody out there thinks we're doing because
2: I want to know what any of y'all think of me. Yeah, you keep you 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 keep all that to yourself. Comment on the show, but you leave me out of it. That's the whole
3: thing.
1: I mean, yeah, all of I you have, out there who are listening, you know, uh, we we I, I, uh, yeah, we, you've got all kinds of ways to connect with us now. We're we're more on the internet than we were previously. Yes. Aaron, why don't you talk about that a little?
0: Well, um, we uh are continuing to grow our online presence with our
1: Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely <laughs>
0: our wonderful new website at thatwasashow.com. If you haven't seen it yet, check yeah. it out. Yeah. And um we are releasing the episodes from our archives onto YouTube. So if you know someone who loves to watch podcasts in that uh in that yeah, venue.
2: They're all they're all up there. So yeah. by all means, just go uh, go check them out. Go check it out. We obviously I mean, I'm saying that with the assumption that the day that you are listening to this is March 1st and not and not the day that I'm recording this. But <laughs> That's true. When you all out there listen to this, they're all on YouTube. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> check them con- out. And we continue to encourage you to subscribe
0: on your podcast listening platform of choice whether that be Apple or Spotify or whatever. But uh, yeah, if you know people who like to listen on YouTube or if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, hopefully this is the right place for you. Yeah. And um, we are long overdue to come out with some new merch. We have a few designs that we've been kicking around, but we are probably going to do something in the vicinity of making fun of one of the tropes That we've identified as being particularly common and silly. So
2: hopefully we'll have some more news on that front soon. Yeah. So on that front, welcome to that was a show. If you were (laughs) looking for this is a program that's in Mr. Hand's class down the hall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bonus points to anyone out there who gets that reference.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, Mr. Hand, you got that?
1: Yeah.
0: Nice. Now, Bryn, I believe you chose the show for this episode. So, why don't you go ahead and tell us about it?
1: I did. I did. So, one thing I want to say right off the bat is that this might possibly be the most obscure show we've covered uh, in terms yep. in terms yep. of a show. That actually aired because there are others that are kind of obscure and very like hidden gems, but the pilots never even made it to air. But in terms of shows where there were, you know, a pilot and a few following episodes, this one might be the most obscure. So this uh, this episode is covering Party Girl, which was a 1996 sitcom adaptation. Of the cult indie film of the same name.
0: Or as we call it, a bad adaptation. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a bad adaptation. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it's a. What? It's, it's oh, a, no. No, no, no. I'm not saying that I liked it. I'm just saying that it's like a very different interpretation. So I guess then, yes, yeah. it's a bad adaptation. And, and, and I will <laughs> say that
0: although we call it bad adaptation, because that's yeah. a funny play on words. We're not saying that these types of adaptations are universally going to be bad. We all we all remember that we quite liked the show, the sitcom adaptation of Working Girl. Yeah. And now, only now, am I realizing that we've done Working Girl, and now we're doing Party Girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Party Girl, the sitcom, was developed by uh, Ephraim Seeger, based on characters created by daisy von schurler who wrote and directed the original film uh daisy von schurler uh wrote the pilot as well uh so it's very much like there's there's a lot of things that are taken directly from the movie and if you watch the trailer for the movie on youtube you can see direct like lines from the, the pilot episode of the sitcom. So it's interesting. Uh, so the show was meant to be a starring vehicle for Christine Taylor, who had just made a big splash playing Marsha Brady in the satirical Brady Bunch movie that was released a year earlier. So it premiered on Fox in September 1996. Uh, a total of six episodes were made, but only four aired before it was officially canceled. Now, I'm getting that information strictly from IMDb, because again, there's so very little information about this show on the internet. So (laughs) it was a struggle just to find actual reviews of the show from the time. So it's kind of like a mystery. And the reason that I picked this show was because i actually remembered it being on the air and wanting to watch it as a kid because i saw a bunch of promos uh i saw promos of it that featured fight for your right to party by the beastie boys like i have this very vivid memory of christine taylor like doing some sort of like little dance move to the main like hook of that song and being like oh what's that all about and then it was basically cancelled before you know, eleven year old me was a- ever able to watch it. Uh, so basically, <laughs> the the um the show revolves around Mary, who is the party girl, uh, a Manhattan twenty something who is kind of like I don't even know how to explain her. She's sort of like a nineties Gen X era. Uh, Holly Golightly, in a sense. She's
2: she's an aged up share from Clueless.
1: Yeah, she is. I mean, she um, basically at the start of the sitcom and the film is running illegal parties. So she'll basically throw like a rave type party at a nightclub or some other big location in the city and she'll charge cover to get it. she get
0: a DJ,
2: lots of hot fashionable people. Uh, that was just her apartment. By the way, that was, (laughs) no, that was just her loft, her massive loft apartment. That opening party, yeah, Yeah. you're
1: correct. That was technically- We'll let
0: Bryn finish the description, but we will absolutely be coming back for a lengthy discussion about this apartment. I could rant for half an hour on her freaking apartment.
1: So, basically, you know, there's a lot of stories like this from the 90s and 2000s era where it's like a young woman who is an orphan, essentially- And she has these like adults in her life that are trying to tell her to get her life together. And at the start of the the film and the sitcom, she basically gets arrested because she's throwing in a legal party and needs some money to pay her rent. She approaches her um, godmother. So it's a very, you know, random relationship, but it's her godmother who's played by Swoozy Kurtz, uh, legend of stage and screen. And she basically wants a loan. And then Swoozy Kurtz is like, no, you have to get your life together. Come work for me at the library. So basically, the entire premise is that she's a library clerk by day and a social butterfly and nightclubbing princess by night. And she, you know, she has her couple of eccentric friends, one of whom is played by the incomparable john cameron mitchell and the other one is played by matt Borlenghi, and she also has a nemesis who is another young library clerk named wanda who's played by Marin dungey and she's you know just they just don't get along and we'll get into all of this so basically the whole thing is this push and pull between uh Mary trying to kind of get her poopin up high and be a responsible adult but also living life to its fullest and being fabulous and fashionable and uh always being seen at every hot spot in New York It's very much a 90s time capsule
2: <laughs> Yeah it's um <laughs> it's it's interesting because yeah as our audience knows I I I probably come off the mildest on a lot of these shows. I I, I usually like to give everybody a pretty fair shake. I fucking hated this. I hated every <laughs> minute sorry. of it. I have ne- honestly I can't remember the last time I saw a show that so rese- so closely resembled like you know, a piece of shit, like just, it was so bad. There wasn't anything like I kept hitting across these bits where like just watching it, like everything has the cadence of a joke, but there's no actual jokes. Yeah. It's just lines with actors really, you know, really fucking trying. Yeah. Really trying, but just being like, I'm sorry, you know, I don't want to be mean, but this is just a bad script. Through and through, so every bit of it was bad.
1: Yeah. So, well, here's here's the thing that's <laughs> that's weird about it all. Okay, so I agree with what you're saying. Uh, the problem is, so I actually watched like I don't know seventy five percent of the movie mm-hmm. leading up to this, and the movie is actually starring Parker Posey in the mm-hmm. uh, Mary role, and Parker Posey is playing the role in a very dry like her sort of typical very dry kind of quirky spacey persona where for it's a, like that- a little severe it's a little eccentric and it's a little it's very deadpan and for some reason the the dialogue and the the scripting it works more in that world and that's kind of why that film uh, Absolutely,
3: I, I yeah, I
2: could popular. easily see that. Yeah, Parker it, Posey would nail all of this. Yeah,
1: but it's just you know, and it's unfortunate because Christine Taylor is amazing. Mm-hmm. This was not the right. This was no. not the right project. They should have completely started from scratch and had different writers and, and had I, different. You know, like it. It just didn't. It didn't like go to I, her strengths. You know, like I it just, saw.
2: I saw that there was. A, the, you know, the like you said, the original writer had a writing credit, I don't think she wrote this. I think that was yeah. a... I think this was a, you know, a, a contractual thing. Well, right? no, I was about
0: to say a contractual no, no, no. obligation yeah.
2: so credit. So the
1: contractual <laughs> yeah. part is actually the created by. So, seriously, guys, she actually did write the pilot. So she wrote the pilot.
2: Not There was three credited writers, though.
1: Okay, okay. But um, I read... I don't have the specific article, but I read that. Yeah, like, so she like wrote the pilot with whomever else Mm because she's not a TV writer. She was like barely a screenwriter because she, you know, her co she had a co-writer for the movie and then she like jumped into this project. And like, I think the created by is more of a like contractual thing because they're her characters, you know, and they kind of let her write the pilot with other people. I just
0: want to say like, what's interesting to me is So the movie came out the year before. Yeah. It was a Sundance hit. It was kind of indie. Having seen, I didn't watch as much as you did, but I saw some number of minutes of it. And it's got that very kind of low-budget, gritty, handheld camera, much... Like, although there's a lot of visual action, the dialogue is, like, spaced out a lot more. It doesn't have anything resembling the cadence of this kind of comedy. And uh, it's interesting because... It was obviously like a big audience favorite there or or some big hit and some network executive or whatever saw this and we're like, we're going to turn this into a TV show and we're going to ride this wave. And you can imagine they're like pitching it in a meeting and they're like, okay, so it's like club kid culture and there's this girl and she parties really hard, but she needs money. So she gets in. So she gets a job at a library and it's this funny juxtaposition because by day, She's in this, like, subdued, quiet, button-down environment. And by night, she's doing these big raves and parties. And someone's yeah. like, okay, got it. And they're like, is there anything else I need to know to make this story work? Nope. Just run with that. Yeah. Just find, like, your typical sitcom staff and crew yeah. from any other show from 1996 and just dump that premise yeah. Yeah. into see them, something I, else.
2: <laughs> I can see them just getting halfway through and and, and Clueless being this massive massive box office hit. Yeah. And them can, just being like yeah. just make this like that. Can we
0: yeah. afford the rights to clueless?
2: No. We
0: no, can get party yeah. girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and obviously and I don't know what sort of went on behind the scenes in the casting, but clearly they weren't going to go with Parker Posey for a myriad of reasons. Parker Posey probably didn't want to do it, A. And B, Parker Posey's too weird for primetime. Like, she's just, you know... And yeah, for- that's what we love about her. She's too, she's weird. Well, I don't know if Aaron loves her.
2: But- for slightly younger folks out there, Parker Posey was like what the 90s version of Kristen Ritter was. Yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: that's a good comparison. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, basically... Uh, they went with Christine Taylor, which is like a great choice for a sitcom. And she already had like TV experience, movie experience. And she was like kind of a hot commodity. Like she was like an up and comer having just, like I said, co-starred in the Brady Bunch movie. So it was like they, you know, and then they had Swoozy Kurtz, who was already very established, had just come always off great. Of- yeah, always, you know, like, delivers uh, everything you want. Um, and she had just come off of her stint of the um, the very popular and long-running drama Sisters, oh. for which she won an Emmy. Uh, so she was, like, a big deal. So it was, like, a big deal that she was cast in this, like, you know, in this particular role as well. So it had all the right elements. It just didn't, you know, just... didn't work (laughs) i want to i want to
0: start with one thing about why it didn't work for me because i just this isn't why it's not funny but i couldn't not bump on the absurdity of this and so i'm just going to talk about the show and then the fact that this played out in the in the movie too but like a library is an interesting environment to set a sitcom in because on the one hand We haven't really explored that before, and everyone's been to a library, so that's kind of interesting. On the other hand, libraries are notoriously quiet, subdued environments where you don't have loud, zany people shouting at each other. Now, my mind would have gone to, well, if you're having a a library in a sitcom, that's going to be the joke, is that it's hard for her to, like, contain her energy, into like wedging it into that environment, like a square peg into a round hole. Only she's not the only loud one there. Yeah. It would be funny if she was the loud one there and she was the, the fish out of water. But in the very first episode, one of the first things we see is this community group that's going down in the library where this woman's leading this group of people in what is never really explained but it's i can assume to be,
2: it's supposed to be an english conversational yeah. group english, she's teaching yeah. that she's teaching well she's not teaching but it's an english it's yeah. an english as a second language conversational yes. group yeah and so it is are, so yeah. offensively it, like it's portrayed bad. it's, bad. it's yeah.
0: very but bad i was gonna say we can yeah. figure that out from context clues but it's never fully
2: ex- no it's in the dialogue
1: she, she says, should, it "Yeah, it. yeah." It was hard for me to figure out I, at first. I, it was
2: hard for me to follow. But
1: then it was like, okay, it's like you know, these are people taking ESL courses, and this is like an sure. offshoot of that. It's like a conversation sure. group. It was so hard for me practice. to follow, maybe
0: yeah. because you'd you'd never have a conversation group right smack in the middle of a library because, again, quiet environment,
1: right? But how,
0: how in two episodes
2: of this show was there not a single shushing? I don't know. There was there was one. It was a really big one. Where? Because when she comes in and she meets Wanda, like she's like right. shushing her like crazy. Right. Wanda is because they. I don't know. It's well, we'll talk no, about how the spi- she hadn't met her yet though. This is okay. when she meets her. She just because she's speaking yeah. right, in but, a, but yeah. it's
0: almost like they've made. The Wanda character, the sort of like the library police, whereas (sighs) what makes no sense is that the the woman who's her godmother, I guess, who gives her the job, she should be the one who's enforcing the rules there. Yeah. It's all very weird.
1: It's very weird. Uh, Yeah. So I basically already for the purpose of this episode, we watched episode uh, one, the pilot and episode three. Um, and yeah, I mean, I already basically went through the entire pilot because, uh, we meet Mary at the top of it and she's throwing this party like, uh, and then she immediately goes to the library and is trying to like, kind of shake down her godmother for some (laughs) money. And then at this point, there's, you know, this sense that she wants to prove herself Uh, to her godmother and wants to be like, I am an adult. I can do things. I am capable. How dare you imply that I'm not? Because there's all this back and forth about how Judy, the godmother, was best friends with her mother who passed away years before. And, you know, Judy, it's kind of wild because Judy's basically like, you're too much like your mother. It's like, but that's like your friend. (laughs) Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like you don't you don't like this person that was like your best friend. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, yeah. So she's giving her a hard time and is like, I'm not gonna give you any money because you're irresponsible, blah, blah, blah. And then that somehow morphs into her hiring her at the library. And it's basically a challenge. It's like, well, I don't think you're gonna succeed at this. Let's let's see how this this goes. And then, you know, she encounters Wanda, the other. Clerk, who I think is studying to become a, a librarian. Like, I think that's her. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. You got say. very.
0: And another thing yeah. about this job. This, and I thought this would just be the sitcom because of what we like to call sitcom logic. Yeah. But then when I saw the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, exactly the same thing happens in the movie. So yeah. both the movie and the show posit a world in which a library branch operates like the personal private business of the head librarian who can just, on Mm. Uh, the spot, hire hire anyone they want without any qualifications, regardless of, just on a whim. As if it's not a public service job run by a municipal government
2: Yeah, yeah. that would have, have not, all sorts of rules around this. There's not a single element of this library that has any relation to a, a library. Yeah. None. Like, not one. The only thing <laughs> they know about libraries is a school library. Yeah, Like they basically like the only thing they know is they they knew two things going into writing the script and they didn't care to look anything else. They knew the Dewey Decimal System (laughs) was a thing. Yeah. And then they knew that there were carts with books on them that you had to shelf. Libraries have books. That was it.
0: Libraries have books. They knew that. Yeah. It is a place with books.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then there's in both the sitcom and the movie, there's this really odd joke where it's, you know, right away Wanda is trying is like, I assume, you know, the Dewey Decimal system. Oh. And uh for some reason there's this weird sort of like horror movie moment boom, boom, boom. where it close it's almost like she's traumatized like Mary is traumatized by the question. Yeah. And it's like, how would, you know, like I don't how would I she didn't... be so like filled with anxiety? She's never even been exposed to it before. Would how yeah. would she even know that? And this... the
0: same thing was in the movie. Yeah,
1: and it's so weird. To the word, and there's like this cut to a, a like a what looks like a mug shot. I think
0: it's a poster. Yeah, well, there's the poster of Dewey. No, she does. <laughs> it's
2: it's just a quick scene transition of her yeah. doing a mug shot, but it's the library instead of jail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's like it's like the implication is that.
2: Yeah, it's prison. like it's prison for it. Yeah, like right. Having okay. to do
1: the do, but but the, but it's weird because you would think that that kind of thing would come later when she's having to learn about it and it's stressing her out. She doesn't even know what it is yet. Really, she doesn't really understand yeah.
2: the whole the whole thing is is just it's this complete bullshit idea that basically yeah. like they they're getting a real kick out of somebody who's like you know, young, uh, young, hot, and fashionable might possibly have hidden depths. Like, <laughs> yeah. the fact that yeah. she discovers that she really likes the library. Yeah. Fuck that. Why? Why does she like that? I don't know anything about her. Like, yeah. I didn't see her liking it. She got fired, you know? Like, fuck yeah. it. No.
1: Yeah, it's so stupid. Basically, she tries yeah uh to to work for a day and like sucks and then gets fired and then she's with her friends and they're doing their normal shtick and you know there she's like kind of lamenting about this whole thing and how it feels terrible that it didn't work out and it's like why do you care so much this is like like of little consequence to you. And they basically decide to break into the library, and her friends decide to help her learn the Dewey Decimal system in the middle of well, the night. She,
2: she also says, Because I really liked it there. I found where I really wanted to be. And you're like, when? This when? makes
1: zero sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you it's... hated
2: it and you were fucking around the whole day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like there was there was there there could have been a moment. Where something happened in the library that she really connected with, but I don't think that there was
2: yeah not not in not in the not in the version that hit the screen there wasn't yeah, no
1: yeah i I think in the movie, the thing where it's slightly slightly more believable she doesn't get fired right away. there's like this like a longer period of her adjusting yeah. to it. And it's actually, it very much grows on her. And by the end of the movie, spoilers everyone. She decides she wants to become a librarian. And yeah, so it's like a whole, I don't know. I mean,
0: the parts of the movie that I saw also felt a little like it was forcing this library premise, but in the context of a one-off feature film with that kind of vibe, I thought, okay, like yeah, that's, that. I could see how that'd be a fun world better. to play in. But it also reminded me when I was watching the show of like all the characters feel like these two dimensional archetypes where there was no effort made to like give them depth and even hinting at the idea, like you said, that they might have depth is a novelty in itself, which yeah. reminds me of the movie, The Big Lebowski, which I will just very briefly say was a movie that I now count as one of my favorite all time comedies. But the very first time I saw it, I hated it because a lot of the characters were these two-dimensional archetypes and like cartoons, like caricatures. And I, I didn't get it. And then when I rewatched it a second time, I was like, oh, that was on purpose. That yeah. was the point. And then when I watched it in the context of like what they were supposed to be and what the yeah. joke was supposed to be, I was like, oh, this is very clever. And so I was like watching this show. Trying to give it as much um, as I could, like, you know, I was really trying to give it a chance. Like, especially, you know, watching the second episode, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to go into this with the mentality that there's a reason why these characters are written this way. And this is a TV show that was made around the same time as The Big Lebowski. I was like, maybe that was something going on in the comedy world. (laughs) These these characters are... I don't understand your take on the
2: Big Lebowski. I have to say, I, do, I don't get what you're well, saying at I, all. <laughs> I don't want to like you derail this conversation. I really into don't that. think they're yeah. I don't think they're two dimensional characters in the Big Lebowski mm, at all. They
0: they don't end up being all two dimensional characters, but they introduce characters as the like shell shocked Vietnam War veteran, the second wave feminist, the nihilist who's floating <laughs> in the pool. The uh, the rich pompous businessman. Each of these characters is kind of like a comic book character, sort of cliche. And then over the course of the movie, you see all the interconnections between them, and you see the commentary that's coming out of them, and the in- and all of the layers that that like build into it. But like act one of the Big Lebowski feels like a bunch of like cardboard cutout people. Except for Lebowski himself, who's, like, really hard to, to decode and understand. But all the people around him in this world. But anyway, this is this is going to go too far yeah, off yeah. into Let's, a tangent. I, I, I think I'm just not really
2: getting it in your in the context of, like, this show.
0: Okay, in the context of this show, yeah, I thought, like, the way you articulated well the idea that, like, it feels like they're playing off the novelty of the idea that she's this party girl but like what if she's
2: actually smart or what if she but actually I mean, yeah. has depth or she but actually, I'm, ma- I'm mad at that I know. I, I think it's offensive that they think that that's a novel idea no, that somebody might have depth to them. But what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying is
0: I'm mad at that too. But what I'm saying is that there are other stories
2: in, yeah. in, well... in
0: feature film formats where the beginning of the movie felt like it was doing that. But by the end of the movie, you can see that there was a, Purpose to it and the characters involved. Yeah. Whereas in this show, it didn't feel like that was happening. They're all
1: very uh, two dimensional and they're all, they're, everyone's just crotchety and don't like, doesn't like their life, basically. Nobody, (laughs) and
2: nobody likes each other, really. Yeah. Like,
1: okay. So, yeah, I mean, like Wanda, we have to talk about Wanda because I feel like, like Marin Dungey was done dirty with this (laughs) role because she's just, so one note she's just there to be the antagonist and there's nothing like about her that is like you know she's just like obviously she's like annoyed that this you know other woman her age comes in yeah and has zero experience that would be really frustrating and i understand why she would be antagonistic to her but just the way that she's antagonistic is just so one note and so like yeah. you know and maybe they had plans for the character to evolve like that's usually you know something that kind of yeah. develops over a season like maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe mary gets her to cut loose and go clubbing with her or something oh, maybe definitely that definitely that would have happened plan yeah. at some point yeah but.
0: I, I was gonna say like it would have been cool to see the idea that like okay mary is this like is uncomfortable being in this library environment and she doesn't fit in there well yeah so yeah. instead of creating this really put on antagonistic relationship between them it would have been far more charming to show them as although very different from each other more like they bond over that shared difference and make it so that like wanda helps mary fit in at the library and mary helps wanda with whatever like social anxiety yeah. that she supposedly has or whatever they were trying to build toward and the idea that like all of her dialogue is either Scolding yeah.
1: Mary. And tattletale. And tattletailing. She's
2: Basically, she's or, like written or, like Minkus from Boy Meets World. Yeah, she basically. is a
1: Minkus big time. Or yeah.
0: like, I don't know what the expression would be, but like thirst trapping over books about human sexuality because
1: yeah. she's looking she's to like. All like she's all repressed whatever. or yeah. whatever. Oh, yes, yeah,
2: because of course she's repressed. Yeah, well, they yeah, have to. It's
1: frustrating because it seems like such a cliche to like, th- like and yeah. such a stupid perception yeah. that these people. Women working in this library would be so repressed. It's like, no, just because they like to read. <laughs> it's mean, so found,
2: I found in general that this show had some very offensive ideas about women in general. Uh, right? yeah, like well every every female character I feel like was like was but, poorly, yeah poorly but so written.
1: were the men. like it's very two-dimensional. but here's what I'll say. and okay, so here's what I'm gonna say. The reason I enjoyed watching it more than you guys is because it wasn't made for like you guys. Like it is very much a very certain young woman's fantasy (laughs) to have this like kind of lifestyle. Like it is like she is positioned as like, I think a modern uh, Holly Golightly, this kind of like free spirit who is like living it up in the city and is trying to figure out what to do with her life but she's very like hip and glamorous the whole time like it is fun it's the same reason why a lot of people watch sex in the city it's like a fantasy it's like very much like mm-hmm. you know so yes is it flat is it boring yes but i lived <laughs> but i lived for those freaking getting ready montages like the close ups of all the shoes i enjoyed all of that i was like this like I have several notes that are literally just noting what she's wearing in the scenes. Like, you know, it is very much just, uh, it's like, it's like a fat, it's like a magazine, like a lifestyle magazine in a sitcom format for, you know, young girls and women who are like in a small town and fantasize about right. like living an exciting life in a city. Okay, but, sp- <laughs> like-
0: but speaking of the, um, the, let's call it the visuals, the production design, the the world that they're showing. Okay. This, you know, we've commented on lavish loft apartments in many sitcoms before. This was one of the most extravagant and in a world in which she is on the edge financially and desperate for like a $100 loan from her godmother and able to somehow cover her expenses by taking a job as an entry-level clerk at a library, it just makes zero sense yeah. that she has this massive, extravagant loft so, full of, full of like, Versace clothing. Yeah,
1: it, it's a mystery. It makes no sense. It is very much like a sex-in-the-city type thing where it's, like... They Carrie, had jobs. Carrie, well, yeah, but not jobs that would pay them enough to fund those lifestyles even like if you at
2: least enough to faint it though i mean like it, this one like well, she's making Perry, minimum wage so
1: carrie brought bradshaw like people have written in depth about this like especially yeah. women writing in depth about this but how carrie bradshaw there's no way in hell she could have afforded that wardrobe she would have gone sure. to prison because of the amount of debt like, like there's just no way so yeah. it's a similar thing and yes okay was the apartment ridiculously large yes But I would also argue that it was kind of claptrap in some ways. It wasn't that luxurious because there was that weird loft that she got constructed that then became her closet underneath. Like it is kind of a quirky, but it was still
0: too nice. If you see the movie, the movie, she's in a big loft that you could throw parties in and stuff like that but yeah. it is very bare bones. L-
1: like an it's illegal co- but it apartment. Is, it is, but yeah. on the other hand... A very yeah. illegal For me, apartment. The apartment,
2: yeah. the apartment like mildly annoyed me, but to be honest, like we know lofts are expensive. Yeah. Yeah, the loft didn't really ring that false to me yeah. based on all the other shows we've watched. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I don't know, I felt... I I enjoyed watching it just for those very superficial reasons and all the uh-huh. like 90s club jams <laughs> that we're kind music
2: of, music was fucking bang they it, were banging it, it was they really banging. good they yeah. played
1: tlc waterfalls at one point just like, in the background yeah i was like this is the best yeah. like so this, this is, is like
2: there's probably a big reason why this show has never really uh hit a streamer is because his music rights would be too hard to yeah they would to have pick to up. cut it yeah. all
1: out and like yeah, yeah. like it, the it,
2: wonder it, like the wonder
0: years yeah. yeah so there's that and and You know, I also couldn't help but thinking because one of the main sets that they keep going back to is a bar where she hangs out with people and she comes in like with norm energy where everyone's like, hey, but (laughs) like, so it's obviously like this is the bar she goes to almost every single day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, get a job as a bartender. It would pay more. And you might actually be qualified
2: to do it. Wasn't the plot of the movie, (laughs) Erin.
1: Yeah, but- I think the it's whole so forced. the, the whole, plot is so forced. The whole pretense that and I feel like it's it's a weird perspective because it's like if someone is really into the nightlife in a mm-hmm. particular city, they probably will be working in it. They will be an actual club promoter paid mm-hmm. by the club. Exactly. They will or they will be like a bottle service girl or something. But like I think the whole idea with the character is that she doesn't want to be in. St- Like she wants to be running the show. Like she doesn't want to be like a waitress or she doesn't want to be a bartender. She wants to be the, the, the host of everything. Right.
2: She wants to be the queen bee, you know, like that. Yeah. So
1: it's kind of like she would rather, and I'd sort of understand this. Like I've had like, you know, not that I was like out clubbing like that ever, but like, you know, uh, a boring job by by day, and then pursuing something a little more, you know, interesting by night. Like I've been in that world where you you're. It's easier to hide in a very normal job. Yeah, you're then, not gonna run
2: into those people.
1: Exactly. So I sort of get that whole like it's like Clark Kent and Superman. <laughs> like it's like yeah, you know, you yeah. got it two identities, and that's like that is like a thing that's maybe more relatable to like millennials and probably some yeah. Gen Zs, although they've found ways to make money that are completely yeah. <laughs> different. I feel like if Mary were a young person now, she would be an influencer. <laughs> she would be like a, you know, she would be like some sort of like internet famous personality and that's how she would make her money well, instead of like, yeah. you know, having yeah. to take a day job to
2: support but again, her. I mean... For me, watching the show, I was like, well, that was the premise of the movie, so it's the premise of the show. I didn't really have to
3: question that.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's, and I don't even think it's a bad premise
0: necessarily, even though I've complained a lot about, like, but a library is a quiet environment or whatever. Like, sure, and as long as that's part of the joke, that's fine. Like, it's not necessarily a bad premise. Just, Uh like... Figure out these characters, and then figure out how to make it funny. Like it yeah. just, it just didn't land. It just it was it write,
1: was a, just joke. Flat. write yeah, a joke, write a joke. It was flat. I mean, and then well, they wrote a
0: lot of jokes. They were just well, not okay.
1: funny.
0: <laughs> it was packed with setup punchline r- I rhythm. Hear, I
2: didn't hear a single well, joke. The
0: dialogue is all set up punchline rhythm. And there's there's I'm gonna look through my notes because there's a few that I wrote down where I was like, this should have been funny. It just wasn't.
1: Yeah.
2: So I, I want to switch gears a little and just say, you know, uh, obviously John Cameron Mitchell, who uh, would later go on to be very famous for Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. Um, is in this. And it was really interesting to see him in a sitcom role. Yeah. Um, also very interesting for the time is he is um, he is very <laughs> he's very coded as as a queer character. Yeah. um. But never explicitly stated to be. Yeah. At least in the two episodes we saw. Yeah, it's true. um, And for 1996, even it's sad to even look at this and be like, this was good representation (laughs) at the time. (laughs) I know. They're not even allowed to say he's gay, but the fact that he is clearly gay uh, is, um, was sadly, that was as good as it got. Yeah. You know, like we're right (laughs) around the time of Ellen coming out on TV and basically that show tanking yeah. uh and 2 years away from Will and Grace. So
1: Yeah, it's interesting and like yeah. I think that's why that joke in so we'll, maybe that we should transin- transition into the third episode that we like the episode 3 which is the second episode we watched where there's this awful joke where you yeah. know basically it's her and uh her bestie and he's trying to like, so the punchline ends up being that he's trying to get her to use a day planner because she's so flighty and can't manage her schedule. And basically they're sitting on a couch and you can't see like, it's like just like a medium shot of just like, you can't
0: see below their stomach. Yeah.
1: You can't see below their stomachs. And he's telling her to like touch it. And he's like pressuring her to like, just touch it and like, put it in your hand and all this stuff. And it's like, it's a very gross joke. It's not funny at all. Uh, and then the the reveal is supposed to be that they're talking about a day planner. But it's like, if the character is coded, like, what is the joke there? If the character is coded as queer, like, you know, why would he be doing that? Like, why why would that guy be pressuring her to touch his nether regions? You know, like it just doesn't make any sense. It was really, really stupid and like not thought out well. Like, and I then, would, s-
2: that was representative of every joke execution on this show. It yeah, was all, it
1: was just not th- thought why out. Why is
2: it, why is yeah. this a joke? Yeah. That that's is the, all, yeah. That, that's the worst of the jokes they did yeah. in these two episodes.
0: But it is, yes, it's representative of how poorly executed and unfunny and unthought out all these jokes are. I found two of them from my notes, speaking of which. Yeah. So in in the first episode, uh, she's trying to get the borrow the money from her uh, godmother. And she says, but Judy, you know, I'd love you even if you didn't spit out crisp 20s. That was Deliver- funny. Delivered like a joke. I didn't
2: laugh, it was, but it's a joke. It was- um, well, because she says I'm not an ATM, and then she is. Yeah. I love you, even but crisp twenties, right? Because that that's what an ATM sure, out. yeah. And then
0: there's that's the kinda, one that's, that's,
2: that's kind of funny. This is the
0: one that I thought should be kind of funny when she comes in and her mouth is all numbed from the dental oh. work, and she opened, which which is a such a stupid tired old gag. I and fucking it, hate and it, dentist gags. I know, and it ran on for like most of the episode, but the yeah. very beginning of that plot line where She says through mumbling because her mouth is numb, This is not easy for me to say. And then she, what she's doing is she's really complaining about how Mary had promised to like pick her up from the dental appointment and she's disappointed in her. But it's a, you know, a play on words or like this double entendre that's not easy for her to
2: say because physically it's hard for her to talk in that moment. Her dentist appointment at 8 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah. Because they had to somehow work that, work it into the plot. Yeah. Fuck, is so goddamn stupid,
1: yeah, so basically, the focus of this uh, this episode is like, okay, in the first episode, she's being like scolded f- and for being, you know uh very um irresponsible with work and finances. And now, in this episode, she's being scolded for being irresponsible in terms of like helping out the people in her life and being a yeah, you know, a people
2: pleaser yeah. but. Sh- that's yeah. not the character,
1: <laughs> yeah, so like like uh you guys had already touched on, she fails to pick up Judy at the dentist when she's supposed to, and this kind of launches into a whole thing where then Mary's challenging herself to like you know help people in her life, but then she's overwhelmed because she overbooks herself and has to manage not only taking care of judy but also going to a school dance with like a 12
2: year old (laughs) (laughs) i i made so many notes about that couldn't they come up with any like semblance of realistic like plots like if that kid was a reoccurring character i guess i could see it but he's just a stranger Total stranger.
1: Yeah. And, <sighs> and you know, Aaron and I had a brief side conversation before this, that that was yeah. totally a trope in the 90s, which is so weird and, yeah. like, inappropriate. Adult
0: taking adolescent to prom, we yeah. have seen so many, so times. many times. It's all,
2: always woman, young boy.
1: Yeah, it's always like, oh, this is, like, a big favor to them. And I'm like, that's fucking creepy. Like, there's no world in which... The freaking chaperones and teachers that were there would be like, oh, this is fine. Like <laughs> This is fine. And it's like,
0: oh, you're just you're just slow dancing with this <laughs> with this grown ass woman. That's fine. That's, that's totally normal.
1: that's totally cool. And like, uh, it's just, yeah, it makes zero sense. But you see it over and over and I don't have any specific like. Well, you know, we need examples. a name. For, we need
0: a name for that yeah. trope because it ke- it happens a lot. But
1: it's so gross, and like the whole the whole point of it is for this boy to feel to impress his friends as if yeah. they believe that this like you know full adult woman is actually romantically interested in this child. Like that's like it's, very disturbing. It's, ho- it's
0: horrifying. But I also just want to say, like, yes, it's horrifying, but also to think that episode three of a show, yeah. and they're already resorting to that sort of adult taking adolescent to prom to somehow yeah. learn how to be a more responsible adult storyline. They're resulting to that kind of thing in episode three. What does that say about whether they have enough ideas to actually carry a series?
1: No, they didn't, obviously. I,
0: uh,
2: yeah, it's... <laughs> Just
1: Because it's, if,
0: the, just, if the very basic just, premise itself of yeah. her being this party girl who's trying to navigate working in a library, if yeah. you can't find a plot in episode three to keep that story in the library and you have to go to some fucking kid's prom and you can't even keep your joke on the library set what are you going to do where do you go from here Well, i so many say, yeah
1: yeah they needed to show n- the club life more often cuz that's what you get in the movie is like you get a lot of like like amazing like 90s era club scenes yeah and this we
2: didn't see a single club scene no, you're right no we didn't nope. we
1: didn't it was very kind of like yeah, like they would take this idea of her being a party go- girl and bringing it to other contexts. Like she goes to this dance and she's like the life of the party and ends up bringing all these children from the dance
2: to uh, this, like,
1: this party at a bar. This that, pub
2: that is their bar set. Yeah, so they're because, like, well, this is where the party again, is in this episode. <laughs>
1: she completely overbooks herself and promises to be at this party that, um, John Cameron Mitchell's characters like hosting. I want to say
3: Derek. Yeah. I think mean, yeah. it was Derek. It was
1: Derek, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So she <laughs> brings all these children and Judy is tagging along the whole while because Judy is on like, you know, painkillers for her dental oh. procedure. So Judy is tagging along the whole time and it's just like, By the end of it, she's like, "I need to set boundaries for myself. I can't say yes to everyone. I can't do this and that." And like, that's the takeaway. And it's like that is
2: true. You should. But that's not the care that the character is so selfish. Why would that be her issue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only her issue because they because they told us it is in that episode. But she would be the one that's always flaking.
1: Yeah, but which the
2: episode starts with,
1: right? okay, but here, but here's the thing again, I don't know why I'm such an apologist for this character in this show, but, like, I don't think she's inherently selfish. I think she is just like flaky and and you know i made a joke to aaron i'm like is she coded with adhd and like you know i but i project that on every character every female character i see now as someone who is late diagnosed as adhd so i project that on every character but i could relate to the idea of feeling this pressure of like pleasing everyone and then things backfire in your face because you don't know how to manage You don't have the executive function to manage all these things, hence where the day planner comes in. So, Uh, uh,
2: yeah, I'll say that. I, I will say you are right. The character. Yeah. If I have anything on this show is there have been past instances where we've watched shows and I have absolutely hated the characters. Yeah. This isn't necessarily that. Like, I don't think any of them are like ugly, you know, like people to watch or anything like that. It's not. They're not bad, you know, humans. It's just all the words they're saying just yeah. aren't aren't funny. Yeah.
0: I'll, <laughs> I'll agree with that. Like one thing I wrote down, this is maybe the best thing I can say about the show, is that yeah. in that episode, the idea that maybe she is some sort of like people pleaser and tries to help everyone or get him or say yes to everything. Yeah. yeah. I actually found that like if that's the case, I don't think that was like super well explored or established, but if that's the case with her character, I think that would endear me to that character. It's a yeah. better
2: it's a better angle
1: but but this whole idea that okay and and again, I, this is the last time I'll bring up this idea, but that the the whole um kind of thing that triggers her in every episode is the uh, Judy giving her a hard time and saying that she's incompetent at something and mm-hmm. she spends the rest of the episode proving that she's not and that is like a classic adhd women with adhd move where you have to like you feel like you need to prove that you are worthy and that you're not like
0: yeah which is why she takes the job there in the first place out of spite because they were she's told that she won't be able to cut it there so she Mm -hmm. takes the job to prove them wrong yeah and like all of those things on paper are like interesting and ideas to explore. <laughs> it just, it needs to be funny.
1: Yeah.
2: It's, yeah. The, it's, it's yeah. all in the writing, man. It's yeah. all in the yeah. writing.
1: Yeah. It's, but anyway, I don't know. It, it's weird. And, not,
2: and, not from, and you're right. And not from concept stage. Yeah. Concept yeah. stage, we're down. You know, there's a version of this that works. Yeah, the
0: concept grew on me. Yeah. It's just that there was no point where the, the
2: actual execution caught yeah. up to the concept. I'm hardwired in to always want the best things for Christine Taylor.
1: Yes. Like, always. (laughs) I've always been a huge fan of her. I think that, you know, this show didn't do her any favors because it was, like, her first big, like, starring role. Yeah. And then... You know, like we'll get into it with the like spin off and all of that, but like I don't think there was anything else where she got to I, be like the star of anything. No,
2: I don't think she, I, I think this is a very talented actress who has never had yeah. her fair. She's like,
1: always been a support, it, a very memorable it, supporting character. If only she in was getting, things.
2: if only yeah. she got like a dime every time somebody used the Sure Jan meme. Like, yeah, come on. It's true. Like-
1: <laughs> Everyone uses that meme now. Uh, I don't know. It's uh it, it it's all very interesting. It's like it's like I wanted to like yeah. the show because the world, the very superficial, <laughs> like the basic elements of that world and that character, yeah I really found appealing. Like both as a kid and yeah. now, like this kind of like eccentric woman just trying to like Hustle to, like, live a certain lifestyle and being, like, you know, being, as the kids would say, a vibe. But, like, not wanting to desperately just maintain that. Yeah. And then not really having a direction of how to do that. And then having to do what she needed to do to survive. Like, I just like that whole premise. I I think I relate to it. I think, like, the more interesting and hip parts of her I found very, like, aspirational. Like, you know. Yeah,
0: so make a show about that. Yeah. 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 I agree. Those are all great things (laughs) that you're describing that are adjacent to what we saw.
1: I've always liked these characters. Like, similar is um it's also just like um Kristen speaking of Kristen Ritter I was I've been thinking about this whole time don't trust the bee you know like it's just another hustler but she's like a bad person well she's a car
2: (laughs) she's like a great like uh, anybody out there you know it's on Disney plus you know don't watch, waste your time with party Binge. Girl. Go it's, watch Don't yeah, Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23. a very funny show. Yeah, it it's is a very hilarious. funny show
1: and that's how you do that character. Yeah. But I want that character to actually be like a good, decent yeah. person. That's right. the thing. So They usually end up being kind of like although Kristen Ritter in that in that show you do root for her like her name's Chloe the character's Chloe. Yeah. But you you root for her but she's not a good person. Well, like, she's an she's, an, she's
0: the anti-hero and yeah. there's the she, other character she, what's her she, name but who's but like the,
1: the good uh, Dream of Walker's June. character I can't. Oh June, yeah. June. June um, and
2: uh, <laughs> the but the be- honestly though but even that character which this is yeah it's a cartoon version of it essentially yeah. right Yeah. where she's over the top even that character she does have redeeming qualities because she right. does really care about june and james yeah. vanderbeek and um well yeah. that's what it is literal, yeah. james literal
1: james vanderbeek james yeah. vanderbeek plays a cartoonish version of himself, of himself and it's the best thing it's, that's been on tv yeah, in it, it's decades very <laughs>
0: funny um yeah so just going back to something we touched on earlier <laughs> sorry, it's,
1: I'm sorry. now you're just laughing thinking <laughs> yeah, about it i was just it. thinking
2: of when it came out like this is like a good, like, 12 this years ago, probably. This is like ago, a 12-year-old,
1: probably. yeah, show, but... And
2: him being really excited because he got cast next... Uh, opposite, Kiernan Shipka. And she's like <laughs> eight or nine at this point. And he says, I've always wanted
3: to work with her. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Although sorry. I will say, one, one thing sorry. that 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 don't trust the Bee does wrong is not a proper use of Eric Andre because Eric Andre
0: oh, is a, is a, is, uh, is like a straight yeah.
1: man in it. You know, yeah, like
0: it it it's a very good show though, and yeah, it is the way that you do this kind of
1: character show yeah. or
0: character, which take which takes me back to what we were talking about at the start, which is. The relationship between the main character in this show and Wanda. Yeah. yeah. They needed to develop a friendship immediately. Like for me, for a,
1: a June and Chloe dynamic. Like June and Chloe. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. But for yeah. me. Absolutely. For me, yes. that's
0: not a will they or won't they that I'm willing to wait a yeah. whole season or
2: multiple years for. That's yeah. a pilot problem. I need to but see This is but a show that this th- is a show that we're if it we're somehow on three seasons later. Yeah, Uh, this is a show where you would check in three seasons later and they would still be playing these exact same. Beats. Yeah,
1: because it's the 90s yeah. and we were all full of uh, internalized misogyny. Women all like women included. So women yeah. can't just you be know, friends with. Be, yeah. yeah, it can't just be a positive relationship. There has to be a toxic dynamic thrown in there, yeah. even between her and Judy, even though they are close. There is yeah, this it's, they're shitty, never, you know, yeah. Yeah. What you, dynamic what you, where Judy's always telling her that she's a piece of shit, yeah. basically. What you <laughs> like,
0: needed to happen, what you needed you to know. happen in the pilot is Mary comes into this environment. The godmother is like, sorry, I can't give you a job here. You're clearly, like, not qualified. Yeah. I get that you need money. I'm sorry. And meanwhile, she meets Wanda who is very different from her and is initially like, who's this person who thinks they can work here and do my job when when I have like training for this and she doesn't. Yeah. But over the course of her hanging out there, realizes I like having this person around because she's like helping me break out of my shell and meet people or inviting me to a party or mm-hmm. whatever. They bond and it mm-hmm. needs to be Wanda who convinces the boss to bring her in and hire her so that she can be around. And right. then they become like fast friends because yeah. at the end of the but day... But they couldn't do that no, in 1996. But at the end of the day, in a sitcom, I'm not going to want to hang out with these people if they don't want to hang out with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: I mean, I did like her, you know, dynamic with, like, her friends. Like, they were fun characters, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's just...
2: But to what end?
1: Yeah, to what end? Um, I feel
2: like the bartender character, like, I, if you put him... This bartender character and the bartender character from the George Carlin, uh, and you showed me two pictures of them or one scene of both of them, I couldn't tell you which was which. Yeah. They are both yeah. the same, like, okay. Yeah, we need like <laughs> a kind John of Mitchell, bartender you know, from a new bartender. John, rep- Ca- John Cameron Mitchell's great. Uh, the best thing about this show is that it made me immediately go watch uh, Hedwig and the Angry Edge. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, it's like, I know I keep harping on this, but like the show's <laughs> main focus is... The world of this story is the library. She comes from a party girl world, and we do want to see more of that. And it's weird that we never see parties, but (sighs) parties
2: are expensive, man. You gotta pay a lot of extras. You gotta pay a lot of of extras. You gotta light it, it's hard to do in front of a studio audience. the whole thing is. How in-
1: many episodes was it going to take before there was a party in the library? Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> that was
1: totally going to happen. But it's like,
0: what? Oh my God. Yeah. Right. But if you imagine, like, it's a work, it's basically a workplace comedy. Yeah. And it's basically like, if you have, imagine cheers where the friendships and the positive relationships only happen outside of the bar. And the people at the bar all hate each other. And then some of them have other friends. Outside the bar in other worlds. Makes no sense. This show is primarily set in the library. She's got to have someone she's bonding with in the library within five minutes of the first episode. Yeah. Or it's just, what are we watching? It's
1: I don't know. uh, Another thing to call out is, so one of the, um, so there's this actual great, There's this great article, like, it's in the Wall Street Journal, so I know, like, Wall Street Journal isn't great, but there's, there's this very great in-depth article that's sort of part oral history, part regular, like, article exploring the movie Party Girl, Hmm. okay, and it's, yeah, let me pull it up, it's, it's, um... So you can find it like if you can get beyond the, pl- the paywall. Uh it's basically called it's called the how the first popular movie ever to stream online was made. Because fun fact, Party Girl the Movie was the first movie ever to premiere on the internet in ninety five.
2: Interesting.
1: It's wild. Whoa. It, yeah. So I would recommend the article. It's an interesting read uh by uh Ari e. Saperstein. And there's, like, lots of, like, talk with the the cast, uh, including Parker Posey. And there's a lot of talk with um, Daisy Von Schirler, And basically, basically, the premise of the movie was, like, everything we've talked about. But also, in terms of the characters, she wanted the characters that, as she put it, were... The people that would, the weird people in another movie that would only have five lines and be like a very minor character. She's like, what if they were the main characters? And so that's like what the movie was meant to do, which is like perfect for someone like uh, Parker Posey. But then you have someone like Christine Taylor, who is... More yeah. of a leading lady. She is She's
2: who we would she's yeah, exactly. She yeah. is like a leading
1: yeah. lady doing this part that's meant to be a very offbeat. She's yeah. part. a conventional,
2: she is a very conventional lead for this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: So it is like that could be one of the reasons. And like John Cameron Mitchell fits that mold of the movie, I mm-hmm. would say. But like, you know, That it is like and I hate to say this because I love Christine Taylor, but yeah, it was just like the wrong. It was it was
2: it didn't do her any favors. So I don't think that's. yeah.
1: But yeah, like this is like a fun read because it talks about that whole thing. Like, you know, it was an indie movie made for like one hundred and fifty grand shot over like two weeks and like just over two weeks. And it premiered on the the Internet. And I I'm so sorry I can't really speak to the technical aspects of that, but it was um, this guy, Glenn Fleischer, um, helped them like launch this whole like web premiere with the distributor of the film. And uh, they kind of get into it a little bit. But there's like literally only a few hundred people across the United States that were able to like watch well, it. I was yeah, going to say, who had
0: fast enough internet nobody then did. to nobody watch a, did. a movie? You couldn't, even watch,
2: you couldn't even watch a movie trailer in 95 yeah. without, without taking so it. Like, you'd have to wait for a movie trailer really, to load for like I an really, hour. I yeah. really
1: can't explain all the tech bits, but you'll get some insight into it if you can read the article. But basically, yeah, it was like a very, like, sort of crude, like, 90s version of streaming that happened. But they used to do similar things because they used to do those pay-per-view events that were, like... Oh, they still do those. And But they were, like, an analog event, but it was, like, live. So this was, like, sort of a live premiere mm-hmm. over the internet.
0: It's interesting.
1: Yeah and and yeah so it's a, it, it is like a very interesting history to have because clearly this movie was trying to be sort of subversive and it was trying to be like a movie that was like a innovative movie in terms of storytelling but you know and if you watch it now frankly like most things from the 90s it doesn't really hold up there's like a little bit of
2: <laughs> stuff
1: but- that they wouldn't you would not say or do now uh, but th-
2: thumbs up or thumbs down on the movie?
1: I oh god. I'm going to say thumbs down like sadly uh just because it's so well, content
2: content aside though. I mean like, you know, it was 90s. Give him a give him a break.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You got it's very dry and specific. Like it's not I don't even know. I I I didn't it was hard to engage with the things that were most engaging were just the set pieces of everything. We're just, like the fashions, like there was an article in Vogue as well talking about the fashions of the movie, uh, like a 20 year retrospective.
2: Man, the mid the mid 90s were wild for indie film. Huh? Like just yeah,
1: they were, it was a good time. Like people just didn't give a shit. They just went out and made movies and they didn't. Terror, yeah, I mean, know? like
2: think of think about just the mid '90s shit that was coming out. You know, you had that, you had uh, uh you had clerks, you had you know, Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. El Mariachi. These movies were made for like no money, yeah, and like you know, were just they were able to be huge, right? Yeah, and they had a big dance number,
0: and there was still in the library, and there was still no shushing.
1: In the you movie know, or in the, show? in the show?
2: In the show.
1: I think they had one in the movie, too.
2: This one, was, was, yeah. Of course there I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, it was a great bit of visual comedy. I loved the absolute... How much they went for the height difference between her and the kid. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really, really, you know, made sure they put her in the biggest possible heels possible. And there was a cut to it. And like she's easily a foot and a half to two feet taller. Yeah. yeah and I was like, okay, you went for you, 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 you yeah. went a little big on this one. And I, I appreciate it. It's one <laughs> of the only is one of the only like things that got a little chuckle out of me. Cause Spe- like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Speaking of going big on something, when she comes into the library in her like triumphant return to take the job and she comes dressed quote unquote ready for work to be a librarian and she comes in in this orange dress with glasses as this like sexy librarian cliche not and even the-, the same sexy librarian glasses she wore in the no. scene before yeah. and the the audience like the oh 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 woo you know like the crazy like sounds from the studio audience
2: yeah <laughs> it was Fox it
0: was the most intense version of that yeah it was like the most Fox version of that it
2: was Fox yeah, yeah. it was overall.
0: Fox. oh yeah we were talking about this when we watched the show like the laugh track was so hard throughout yeah. this whole series. It, it was
2: the audience was really. It was definitely not a laugh track. That was definitely a live. Do you audience. think that it, was it, a real laugh? Because it sounded per- 100%. No, it
1: did. It sounded. Pr- but it was like they were being like paid yeah. to laugh but I was a lot like, like, or did something.
2: They, did they goose they it? Were all, that's, what, that's what we were talking about. Like this goose. <laughs>
0: they yeah, did it was goose it. The, yeah. A goose suit. It's an old circus term. <laughs>
2: yeah you know you'd be surprised how how rarely is it a is it a track it's very rarely a track it's yeah. almost entire it's all it's almost always actual no, audience,
0: i i know that right? but i'm like i'm watching this and i'm like how did they get these people to laugh well because they have
2: to they they pay them and they they that's what they do they put on the applause yeah. and the laughter signs right yeah. so that's what you do. You get you the you get a big talking to ahead of it. They do it at every late night show. There's still There's a right? very
1: funny commentary on that in an episode of The Comeback where <laughs> in the the sec, like the second season where Lisa Kudrow is playing that like just she's playing Valerie Cherish, her character, Comeback character doing a, a gritty HBO Uh, show based on her experience it's very meta doing the sitcom from the first season and like she's very confused because there's a fake audience like they're doing a green screen thing where they're supposed to be faking filming a sitcom episode and there's like this fake audience and she's really offended by that she's like well there was always a real live audience like you know watching us perform and uh the director that's there is like oh no they're gonna laugh because i tell them to laugh she's like they're not actually gonna laugh because these are actors and they're gonna be jealous (laughs) and then she's like she's like no they (laughs) will they will laugh because i tell them to laugh and then and then she like like gestures for them to laugh and they do and then she forgets that it's fake. And she's like, oh, you're right. This does work. And then like, she's the flattered. <laughs> she's yeah. flattered. She thinks they're actually laughing at her. She's like, oh, they are laughing. And it's like, yeah, because literally funny. she just directed them to laugh. It's perfect. It's like, the you know. <laughs> My
0: one other little leftover note that I might as well get out of the way here is with shows like this from this like exact time period, I always look to see if someone in the cast has been on Seinfeld. And I was very happy to see that uh, Marin Dungey, if we're pronouncing that right, who plays Wanda, was the cashier in the bookstore episode. And yeah. I re- I rewatched the scene to confirm. Yeah, And she's the one who says, I'm sorry, we can't take this book back. It's been flagged. It's yeah. been in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, Please take it home. We don't want it near the other books. Yeah. And then yeah we George don't want goes, it near the other books. Well, you yeah. just lost a lot of business because I love to read.
1: Well- um, Christine Taylor was also in an episode of Seinfeld. So, really, yeah, she. Yeah, in her IMDb I didn't look. Credit. I didn't I think look. She. Okay. She is one of Jerry's girlfriends. Okay. Yeah.
0: Oh, that makes sense.
1: One of his thousands of girl attractive right. girlfriends. But also, <laughs>
0: isn't it funny though that uh, Marin plays this clerk or librarian in a oh, library yeah. in the show. Yeah, she's a librarian. She's in a,
1: typecast as a librarian. And then she's in a bookstore yeah. in a Seinfeld.
2: Bu- She's typecast as a book clerk. Yeah, I in guess. In these shows. I guess. Probably, I but mean, she's if, you, very... if this is 96, that yeah. easily could have been 96 too, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it could have been the same year. That,
2: no, but, that uh, episode of Seinfeld
0: was not, was right near the end. Oh, it was okay. season nine, okay. so it was yes. shot in 97 or 98. But, I
1: mean, her presence yeah. is very, uh, like... I, I you know, she is she gives off that vibe as someone yeah, she's who be got would a good be, presence. Yeah, very like don't don't fuck with these like things yeah. <laughs> like Yeah, she was
0: the right person to cast to be in that library. They just yeah. needed to write her good dialogue and yeah. give her dimensionality as a character. Yeah. How do we connect party girl with friends?
1: I mean, a few like many, many ways. Many, it's like, many, it, many. It's yeah. very connected to Friends, and, and by one degree in several uh, scenarios. So first of all, uh, like Marin Dunji was also in Friends. Nice. She guessed to starred as um, one of the like high up people at the museum that Ross was like mm. working at. Yeah. <laughs> so she's in an episode. Christine Taylor is also in a pretty memorable episode where she plays Bonnie, this woman that Ross starts to date that um, shaves her head. uh, Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, Because Rachel tells her to. Yeah. Rachel tells her. Basically, she's a friend of Phoebe's and. She previously had a shaved head and then grew her hair out and she had she was known for a long time as having a shaved head and then Rachel to sabotage this new relationship cuz she still like still likes Ross uh tells her to shave her head and then she does and then they break up <laughs> so Kind of a wild story. Okay, and then there's other uh, one-degree connections in, but the the behind-the-scenes. I know we don't always get into behind-the-scenes, but I just found it interesting that three of the four uh, directors listed for Party Girl also directed episodes of Friends. So Steve Zuckerman, Shelley Jensen, and Michael Lembeck. Uh, So yeah, so it's very connected. There's probably lots of other more than one degree connections it's like uh you know it's the same era it's young people in new york it's the same lots probably yeah, i was gonna so say same
0: era and probably the same networks the, it, you know
2: it, the same block of the city practically yeah, it's just yeah just the difference in polish between yeah. a between a friend's script oh i even know a, right even an early like Pilot friend yeah. script to this is I just think, like
1: I think staggering. this show I think this show was very rushed. I think that's the the biggest reason. It was very rushed. It was not thought through. It was very yeah. rushed. And like they were like, we need to capitalize on this now. You know.
0: <laughs> no, no yeah. time for rewrites, no time to even finish a draft of the script. Just yeah. oh my god. We just, to, just
3: to, get it out yeah. there. Get, it get on the, the audience yeah, get it here. We'll do some <laughs> yeah we'll just
1: goose it goose, we'll goose everything. We'll We're just goose gonna it. goose it yeah uh spin off yeah spin I mean spin us off. I, I mean based on the cast list, I think you guys can see that this this show didn't really hurt anyone's career. like Christine Taylor continued to appear and although you know she never quite like was the main star of anything she's always been a star in my eyes like she's always been that memorable like um supporting character in so many projects and uh she yeah she was in some of the top tv shows at the time as a guest star including friends murphy brown seinfeld um and then films like classic films like the wedding singer zoolander uh, and then dodgeball. Like she because she did a lot of stuff with obviously her husband, uh, Ben Stiller, who she's recently like reconciled with, apparently. Like they oh. had divorced, and then during the pandemic, I guess they got back together. So good for them. Uh I miss
2: anyway. I missed the breakup. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh she's also, you know, had some fun guest starring in um Kirby Enthusiasm. She had her uh her stint on Arrested Development as Sally Sitwell. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she (laughs) had, like, a good run on on Arrested Development. Uh, And uh, I've been rewatching Search Party. She had a fun role in Search Party as the rich lady that uh, uh, Alia Shawcott's character works for. Mm. And she gets, like, way too involved in all of the drama because she's, like, basically bored. And has nothing better to do and like helps them with their like weird like hijinks and like search for Chantal (laughs) in the first season. I think she's in the second season too. Uh, But anyway, so she's fun on that show. Um, Apparently she's in Severance, but I have not seen Severance yet.
2: Uh, I looked, it was just as a a random voiceover role. Oh,
1: okay. So it's not a big role. And now, okay. So this is the most fun thing that she's doing recently. She's a podcast now with her former co star of the show, Hey Dude. David Lasher, where they talk about 90s pop culture and their experiences working as actors in pop culture uh, or sorry, in 90s TV and movies. And I looked at the their episodes to see if maybe they talk like if i could get a sense that they mentioned this sh- this show at all but like there's only been about four episodes so i'm gonna like check out this podcast and see if it gets a mention and maybe we could do a follow-up mini sode because i find that like so interesting like i want to know more about this show because there's like it seems like it's been scrubbed of the internet like there's not much information anywhere about it so i'd love to hear her kind of like you know, if she wants to talk about it, at least like I'd love to hear her takes on the whole thing and like what it was like, because it would have been so cool to like hang out with John Cameron Mitchell all day. And like, you know, just the wardrobe alone would have been fabulous to like just yeah. get to experience. Christ-
2: Christine, if you're if you're uh, if you're if you're listening to this uh sorry, I, sorry I was so harsh. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, you know, she might be listening, Barry, so I'm glad you covered that. I mean- uh,
2: I'm usually fair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then okay, so as we mentioned Marin Dungy also appeared in Seinfeld. She also appeared in Murphy Brown and And Friends. Uh, you know, she guest starred on Saved by the Bell, The New Class, Curb Your Enthusiasm. She had a recurring role in Better Off Ted, which I know Barry was like a fan of and uh, you know, she also had like a pretty big role in Alias the king of queens brooklyn 99 big little lies and most recently she's um on this season of shining veil vale. so she is very prolific like she's been in so much stuff like this this little blip like did not slow her down in the least uh you can say the same about everybody else truly like matt borlengi um who played o'neill the like kind of hunky bartender who she has a will they or won't they sort of, I guess with, um, he kind of, he's, he's had an interesting career because he kind of is one of these guys. And we've seen this a lot in our, um, in the spinoff where there'll be people that pop up in these sitcoms who also have like a double life working as a soap actor. And like, that's like a really smart move because it's such a steady gig. Like you can get hundreds of like episodes, like being, well, it's work. You
2: know? It's, it's, yeah. you know, so yeah. anyway,
1: so he's been in like, had like long roles in both all my children and the bold and the beautiful. And then he's also in Days of Our Lives. So he's done like a ton, but then he also did tons of like uh, memorable guest roles on um, various uh, procedurals. And then he was also in another, funny enough, he was also in another like adaptation of a movie. Uh, He was in Police Academy, the series. (laughs) So that's one we might have to do.
2: There's a yeah. sitcom adaptation yeah. of Police there, Academy? There sure is. Well, I think there was an animated one, too. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: Most recently, um, he was in Cobra Kai and 115 Grains, and I have no idea what 115 Grains is, but anyway. I have
2: no idea what any of those he's are.
1: Still, he's still working a ton, and then oh, uh, we have Susie Kurtz, who is already an icon of stage and screen, had been acting since the 60s when she got this role, so it's like she was already, you know, and like we said, won the Emmy for Sisters, and after this, she still, you know, was unstoppable, did tons of movies, including Liar, Liar, uh, and Cruel <laughs> Intentions, and the the role in Cruel Intentions is is funny because it's sort of like a reference to Dangerous Liaisons, which Cruel Intentions is based on because she was... and It's So it's funny that she was in that movie because she was also in Dangerous Liaisons. So uh, yeah, she also had roles in Huff, Pushing Daisies, Mike and Molly, Grace and Frankie, and is currently co-starring with Mayim Bialik in the show Call Me Cat. And then, of course, last but certainly not least and probably my favorite person on this cast, John Cameron Mitchell, just a couple years later, he created and starred in Hedwig and the Angry Inch on Off-Broadway, and then he starred in and directed the film based on it. Um, he played Andy Warhol in this series, Vinyl. That's a short-lived series, but kind of a fun series. Uh, he, You know, I enjoyed him a lot as Gabe in the show Shrill, and, you know, he played Joe Exotic in the Joe versus Carol, the scripted version of that whole thing. <laughs> He's Joe Exotic in that.
2: Yeah. I had no idea.
1: yeah, it's pretty it's pretty iconic. Like I couldn't really like g- get into that show that much because it was you feel kind of burnt out on the whole Joe exotic thing after there, watching yeah, there
2: was there was Tiger no reason and there was no to the- reason to make a comedic version of that. It was yeah. funny as it but is. Just
1: watch an episode just for him playing Joe Exotic because it is pretty iconic. It's pretty amazing. It was like, you know. That's
2: great. That's a great, it's great casting. Beyond the, the Hedvig.
1: It's like the role he was meant yeah, to play. It's
2: perfect casting. Yeah. That's you great. Know, That's and, great. That's great casting. And
1: he's just like this consummate artist because he also, as we said, directed. So he directed the Hedvig the Angry Inch movie. And he also directed Short Bus, Rabbit Hole. Um he's just like he never stops creating art. It's like very, you know, he's like a very inspirational guy and like you know, recently released a scripted podcast series oh. called Anthem, the uh, Homunculus. Oh. So I don't really know what it's about, but I think it's sort of like a sci-fi horror, but comedy at the same time. So I, I might check that out because there's you you got to like look at the cast list. It's wild. Like the people doing the voice work in it. It's like A-list people. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know like it was like a huge deep dive talking about everybody, but I just like the cast was so outstanding that I was just like, I wanted to like, because this show is so mediocre, I just really wanted to highlight what <laughs> well, they've done
0: what since. You've, what you've demonstrated is that this show is an example of something that's worth less than the sum of its parts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Much,
3: so <laughs> much less. which
0: is Which is too bad. Yeah. One other uh, little part that I noticed, I can't remember which episode it was in, where I saw Brian Pussain make an appearance.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: First episode. First episode. Okay, first episode. And I, I always like him. And I was kind of, I saw him and I was all- ex- I'm
1: like blanking. I don't even know who that is. Oh,
0: you'll,
3: you'll you, recognize you, yeah, him. Yeah, as Look soon as up. you go, yeah, you'll yeah. know who he is. Look up
0: Brian Pussain. You'll know exactly who he is. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, I hope he's going to be a regular in this. But it seemed like maybe it was just like a tiny little walk on. Wait a second. That's weird. It seems to be Mr. Producer is calling us for once. All right. I guess I'll answer it. Hello?
2: Uh, hello, Mr. Jaeger. This is Raleigh Prince Jeffries calling from Mr. Producer's office. Yes. Hello, Raleigh. Might I transfer you? Yes, please. Mr. Producer, I have Mr. Yeager from Show Me That on the line. Hey,
0: kid! Hey, Mr. P. You're a bit early. We were going to call you soon.
3: I know, kid, I know. But I had to tell someone. I'm just that excited.
0: Oh, alright. Well, what's going on? Is this about your sitcom?
2: That's it. What? What's what? No, no, no. That's That's what it's called. Oh, right.
3: It is! Kid meetings have been going so well. I just did a lunch with Big Saul Stevens over at the Gilded of Admit. You know, it's over there on the corner of Pulaski and McNeeman. Again, I have no idea what city you're talking about. So who's Big Saul? Big Saul Stevens, you know, over at the network. Guy's an absolute legend. They say he's the one that discovered little Angus Cloud. Who? Ah, you know, Fezco on Euphoria. You watch Euphoria? <laughs> Magnificent program. The saga of Jules and Rue continues to tug at my heartstrings. So this guy's a legend. A legend. He also discovered Ron Livingston, two of the Waynes brothers, and Barbara Stanwyck. Wait, Barbara Stanwyck? Which Waynes brothers? Elmore and Francis. Anyway, so we're over there at the Gilded Oven Mint. I order their legendary Sixth Layer Reuben Club. It's a <laughs> masterpiece. And you know, the lunch goes very well. Very tasty over dessert. He looks me right in the eyes. He says, get this. Do you want to go halfsies on one of their pies? I say, of course I do. He says, what kind of pie? I say, you're the legend. You tell me the pie. And I say, yes, Mr. Stevens. So he says, I like your attitude, kid. You're 67. So what does he tell Rachel, our wonderful server? He tells her, get this. Give me the brambleberry. And? And, kid, I just ate brambleberry pie with Big Saul Stevens. Do you have any idea what that means? I do not. Kid, that's it. The show, it's on. That's what that means. Wait, how how does that mean? I gotta go, kid. I just needed to tell you the good news. Yeah, but...
0: What is a brambleberry? It's like (laughs) raspberries and blackberries, you know, berries that grow on brambles. Why does that mean something? I don't know. But you're in the business. Is brambleberry like code for- I don't know, Barry. (laughs) Mr. Producer's always up to some sort of zany shenanigans. I I didn't follow like any of that. So I'm still trying to understand his show is called That's It. Apparently, Yeah.
1: I think we said everything we could really say about Party Girl. What do you guys say? We uh, we just go hit a club right now.
0: I mean, I don't know about hitting it's, a club. It's Sunday night, and I'm old and tired. No, thank you. I wouldn't mind hitting a library.
1: <laughs> I
0: would <have> much, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, sipping a cup of tea, grabbing a few books from the stacks.
1: But you can't have br- you drink drinks in tea? the library.
0: Um... Have you been to a modern library? A yeah, lot of you're them right. have cafes in the lobby now.
2: That's true.
1: But you can only have the drinks in the lo- Then in the, you know, in the lobby. Yeah,
0: but I'm a rebel. I don't follow those rules,
1: Aaron. I
2: don't live by that code,
1: Aaron. Wanda's gonna snitch on you.
2: <laughs> oh man! Oh man!
1: Cut to sassy '90s club tracks.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah! Yeah. Yeah, see if you can grab some royalty-free club track.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, cue royalty-free club track. And roll credits. That was a show is created and hosted by Bryn Bernie, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That was a show?
1: Radio Gizmo.